2: What can we expect from Aaron Jones, Alvin Kamara, and Nick Chubb in 2020? And what might their ranges of outcomes look like? We're talking all that and more on Roto-Viz Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to the RotoViz Fantasy Football Show brought to you by Bet Online in the FFPC. I'm Dave Cabin, Senior Fantasy Analyst at RotoViz, joined by the Editor in Chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network, Matthew Friedman. What's going on, Matt? How are you doing? Uh, doing all
1: right. Just, uh, you know, kind of trying to ease into summer a little bit. And, um, you know, we're actually going to be moving. Um, you know, in a month or so. So just now starting to uh, pack up the house and all that stuff.
2: Yeah, that does not sound like a fun scenario.
1: No, not great. Getting the house ready to sell, that's also a pain. Figuring out what you're going to move and, you know, what's going to goodwill and stuff like that. It's just, it's a
2: process. So does that imply then that you're still figuring out your lodging on the other end of the equation here? Have you identified where you're going to be moving to?
1: No, we think we know uh, where we're moving, But, uh, you know, like we're still in the process of uh, of buying that place. So it's not, you know, 100 percent locked in. But, uh, you know, there's like the stuff that goes along with moving. So it's like, well, do we like do we want to pay basically to have this thing moved or would we rather just get rid of it and not have to deal with it later? So that's that's the bigger part of it.
2: In terms of miles, how many. um, I actually am having trouble thinking that through in my head, like are we talking. I can't even begin to guess at, at how many miles distance would be separating you between your current location and your new location.
1: Uh, so about four hours driving. So yep. it's not, it's not bad, uh, at all. Um, like pretty easy in terms of a move. Cause we've had to do, you know, like across the country moves before. Right. Uh, and that's annoying, but, um, Yeah, so this this one isn't bad. It's just still like we've lived here for four years and like this is We've lived here longer than we've lived in any other place together together as a couple And so like, you know, we've accumulated some stuff uh, And then now it's just kind of thinking about, you know, what is actually worth moving and what isn't worth moving
2: Got it. Um, I hear you there and I, I empathize with that process the final question i'll ask for you here in terms of the logistics of dealing with the real estate agents and and doing all the back and forth gathering all of the documentation and all of that stuff who is the member of the freeman household that handles the brunt of that
1: uh it's split pretty evenly actually okay. you know i'm i'm doing some stuff uh you know the uh the wife does some stuff um just in terms of yeah the documentation but um yeah and by the way we are moving to uh a suburb of Minneapolis, so it's just like you know our our eyes are also looking at other things going on right now, and it's just like man this is uh this is uh like I hope everything uh calms down by the time we move
2: yeah, um definitely a precarious situation all around um in yep. many places of the, of the country right now, uh but anyway. Um, let's just get into talking some fantasy football. Now I want to hit you with a quick FFPC stat attack, which relates to one player we will be talking about. And that is Aaron Jones. I actually did not realize this until I looked into his stats from 2019 a little bit more, but he actually had a week one performance with 4.9 points, a week nine performance with 3.9 points. A week 12 performance with 3.8 and a week 13 with 7.1. Not the greatest numbers, but it's just so funny that then you compare those with the weeks that came before or after them. And those are all like 25 point performances with some 40 pointers sprinkled in there, some 30 point performances sprinkled in there. Uh, Just kind of like interesting to see how that all played out. Yet he still managed to finish as the number two running back overall in PPR number four. In PPR per game and was a RB1 in 44% of weeks, RB2 25% of weeks, and an RB3 in 31% of weeks. As a reminder, FFPC is home to the best fantasy football leagues and contests in the industry, including Dynasty, Best Ball, and of course, the world famous FFPC main event. I'm currently in a two-hour slow best ball draft, which is an awesome time frame because you still are making a lot of picks every day, but there's not as much pressure that you have to make them the second you're on the clock, which I like a lot. Uh, To learn more or join a league, head to myffpc.com. That's myffpc.com. And of course, at Rotovis, we have a number of tools that are specifically designed to help you dominate everything that you will be doing at the FF. C. Okay, Matt, we are going to be talking in this episode about a variety of running backs. And what I want us to do is kind of work through developing a range of outcomes for these players. What we think a poor season might look like, a most likely or median type of season, and what a really strong season would look like. Then after doing that, we will consult with the range of outcomes app at RotoViz. And we will talk about the results that the app split out and maybe try to make a little bit more sense of those results. Um, I know we've talked about it now probably every year that we've done the show together, uh, but I did make a tweak in the range of outcomes app this season, which is for veteran players. Um, anyway, the tool now for veteran players does a search that goes back looking not only at their most recent season, but the season that would have been two years prior. So for 2020 projections, it's looking at Aaron Jones's 2019 as well as his 2018. Much more emphasis is placed on 2019 than 2018, but the idea there is to help smooth things over for players where there may have been a bit of an outlier season. Uh, Like a great example might have been that Alex Smith season that we saw um, the last time that he was in Kansas City where you had a player whose numbers were highly elevated over anything we had seen before. That would be the type of situation. Um, How it's built in terms of which stats it's looking at, you're looking at the ones that correlate with fantasy scoring and correlate year over year. In many cases, the typical stats that you would expect. So for wide receivers, you're looking at heavily at targets, at running back, it's going to be looking at attempts, um, other things that would factor into a player's rushing. And, and, and normally things that are purely efficiency don't factor in as much because they don't correlate as heavily year over year. And um, the other thing that I'm grouping in here, in addition to fantasy points, is experience is also getting looked at so that you don't have players in the beginning of their career getting the match to players that were at the tail end of their career and um, in, in using their recent seasons to build... A range of outcomes for the coming season because naturally, you know, younger players could still be ascending, whereas more or less older players are starting to tail off. Does that all make sense? Yep. All right. So let's talk about Aaron Jones. I think that, in my opinion... um the first thing that we'd have to talk about when subjectively creating a range of projections for him, even before we talk about the the tail off inefficiency, and we have touched upon this, is how much of an impact there's going to be with A.J. Dillon being there. I don't recall if your stance is A.J. Dillon kind of gets subbed in for some of that Jamal Williams work regardless of if it's in the rushing game or the receiving game, but that perhaps, you know, Jones doesn't entirely seed his work two ways. So kind of saying it differently, he's still operating as the lead back and then Dylan and Williams get worked in. Is that where you are on the split there in Green Bay? Or are you expecting something different?
1: I'm kind of going back and forth. So my feeling is that... Um, the Packers do not draft A.J. Dillon in the second round and draft a player like A.J. Dillon, who has a uh, good size, great athleticism for his size, and a strong history of rushing production, uh, if they don't plan on using him at least some as a runner. And I would say, like, using him fairly heavily as a runner, uh, especially near the goal line. Like, he is built to score touchdowns, if nothing else. Um, and so you look at what Aaron Jones did last year, and he led the league in touchdowns, specifically rushing touchdowns, 16 rushing touchdowns in 16 games. Uh, we would have expected regression anyway from Aaron Jones, but I think that uh, regression is going to hit especially hard given that A.J. Dillon is on the team. Um, and so Aaron Jones, you know, if he's not scoring a lot of those touchdowns, all of a sudden, he becomes, I think, significantly less intriguing. Uh, I have to acknowledge, right, Uh last year, he had, if you're looking at this on a per-game basis, had 52% of the market share in rushing. The year before that, 53% of the market share. So, like, on the one hand, you could say that he seems fairly locked in uh to that share. On the other hand, like, I know that the team just drafted a guy who could be a better runner than him in the second round. Uh, And this is the final year of his contract. So maybe they start to kind of ease away from him a little bit. So I don't know. Like, I'm I'm fairly skeptical about Aaron Jones this year, Uh, not necessarily because of anything that he did last year, but because the team drafted A.J. Dillon. And then also, yeah, I
2: just have to expect some touchdown regression. Right. So uh, I don't think that I'm radically that far off from you. Um, in terms of rushing attempts for Green Bay um, last season, they were hovering around the let me get the actual number here right for us. I think it was four hundred eleven attempts, um, which isn't, um, you know, too low or too high of a total um, like you. Um, I think that we could see him. You know, even if he's around like 55% of that rushing share, it's not necessarily going to be that different of a total compared to what he had last year. Last year, he was at uh, 236 rushing attempts. I'd be shocked if we see him get into that like 280, 290 type of range. I also don't think we're going to see something where he drops down to 180. Um, But for me... I don't think that it makes sense to, in any season, expect the the type the touchdown type of numbers that there were. I don't know if my opinion of him is changing incredibly highly because of what you see with the addition of A.J. Dillon in year one. I'm not sure if that changes things all too tremendously for me in terms of that distribution of what I would expect to be his most common outcomes. Um, I do think though that it probably to some extent limits the upside and maybe it takes the floor down a certain amount. So last season he was around 20 PPR points per game. Where do you think that you put his most likely points per game this season landing at? I think it's probably somewhere between like 14 to 15 points per game. Or is that even too generous?
1: No, I think that's, I think that's probably right. I mean, like what he did last year certainly has to be on the high side of his range of outcomes this year. And I would say, yeah, like 14 to 15 that like that feels right and that's even probably on the low side of what you would expect in a vacuum like the addition of AJ Dillon I think is going to be pretty significant and I would say like I'm I'm already I think higher on AJ Dillon than most people in the dynasty community and if I actually had my way like of where I think he should go Wherever it is that you are ranking like your your top five running backs, like the lower half of those top five guys, that's where I think AJ Dillon should be ranked. Like it wouldn't surprise me if we're entering next season and and Dylan is ranked with Cam Akers yeah. in Dynasty, like in that general range. Yep.
2: Okay. Um, so sticking just in looking at Jones now, um, I'm curious as to what you think realistically his floor might look like in a bad season. So we'll do this on a point per game basis. Let's assume it's not a season where he's only able to play six games and then gets injured or anything like that, but just a season where things really do not go his way. Um, You know, he isn't the extremely efficient player that he was last season and things just kind of, you know, proved to have been a fluke for him do you think he's down maybe around like eight points per game still at 10 points per game or do you think it could be really ugly like four points a game
1: no I don't see it being that ugly and he's a I think he's an above average receiving back and that's certainly something that AJ Dillon is not so I think at a minimum he would be a change of pace back who has the clear edge as a receiver Um, and so I think he could still get I think he could have a season where he has like a thousand yards from scrimmage, but just like four touchdowns, something like that. I think that's the low end.
2: Boy, I, like four touchdowns, that is such a dramatic difference to last year. Um, I, I think, the- I mean, I know it is, I know it is, but I like,
1: like, I just look like AJ Dillon, like that guy was born to score touchdowns. Oh yeah. You no, like, I, mean? I, like- I
2: don't disagree with you in any sense. It's just like, think of how radically that different is, that, that, or how different that is going to be when you go from scoring a touchdown, what felt like every play to just four touchdowns across the season.
1: Yeah. I mean, but I think that is certainly possible. Like, um, I'm not gonna be able to remember his name, uh I, although I should uh yeah, Julius Jones, Yep. you remember how like he would just get screwed by Marion Barber, right? Like Julius Jones would have like thousand yard seasons or like twelve hundred yards from scrimmage, and Marion Barber would score all of the touchdowns. like Julius Jones would have twelve hundred yards and four touchdowns, you know, and it's just because I, like the Cowboys decided to use him in that way. They decided that Julius Jones, even though actually, and by the way, very similar in his size to Aaron Jones, but you know, they just decided, okay, this guy is the guy who can get us some yards, but this other guy over here is the one who will score double digit touchdowns this year. You know, like, I think that's what it's going to be.
2: Yeah. So let's turn our attention now toward the range of outcomes app and to kind of put things in perspective. I have a system that I use for Instead of just looking at that low and that high, which on the site, um, if you are looking at it, the low refers to a player's 25th percentile based on the matches high is the 75th percentile so that we're not focusing too much on outliers. But I do have a method for kind of encapsulating an entire distribution, which, um, I'll have an article explaining my thoughts there a little bit more coming out this week. But in terms of kind of using this full distribution to compare players, Jones comes in at around the RB six or seven and the majority of his outcomes in PPR are housed between 10 to 20 points per game, which I don't think is too surprising. And the largest amount of players are sitting right under 20 points. Now, given what we know and what we just talked about, I think that in actuality, if I'm interpreting this, I'm thinking that um, that area of his most likely outcomes ends up falling somewhere around that number that I just kind of spitballed off the top of my head of around 14 to 15 Um, Just to give, like, I think it's kind of uh, fun, though, to look at who some of these matches are. So you had 2002, Sean Alexander, 2016, Devonta Freeman, 2013, Marshall Falk, 2009, Adrian Peterson. This one's really interesting to me. 2010, Peyton Hillis, 2004, Larry Johnson, 2009, Maurice Jones-Drew, 2018, Melvin Gordon. Of those players, Matt, who do you think that uh, Aaron Jones in 2020 feels the most like? Is it that Peyton Hillis following that one season where he really dominated? Mm, this is tough because
1: I, I still <laughs> tend to rely on uh, size or yep. at least like think of that a little bit more. So I look at Peyton Hillis and I'm like, uh, no, those yep. guys, those guys are not similar. Um, I don't know like he he feels just in terms of his body type like very Devonte Freeman. Yep. And so if you think like if if like the Falcons had Freeman and then they drafted a guy in the second round, like that's what I would think. Like okay, this this guy's not going to have the usage he used to have. So, I mean, it, it's hard it's hard to look at any of these guys and kind of compare compare him to them.
2: I I meant more so in the fact of you know, Peyton Hillis was a player that we kind of had a quick flash from, but wasn't really able to put it out for, you know, a repeated number of years. Although I do think that there's a difference in um, the way that their production can be produced, because I do think that Jones is, you know, a pretty adept receiver. So, you know... It, it, it might not be a clean thing, even if you're just looking at it in, yeah. in that context. I mean,
1: Devonte Devonte Freeman is the guy,
2: you know, like I
1: think in 2016, that was his third season. And, uh, you know, he was kind of having back to back good years and it's kind of a similar situation with, uh, Aaron Jones. Um, you know, this is, he's coming off of his third year. He's had two pretty decent years in a row. Um, I so I would say like if I just had to do a blind comparison Devonte Freeman 2016 to 2017 is the player but I don't think the comparison stands because opportunity isn't going to or I'm expecting the opportunity isn't going to be there.
2: Right. All right, let's transition over to Nick Chubb, but before we do, we are going to take a quick second to hear from our sponsor Bet Online. There's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back, and Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24 7, or participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madden style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. All right, Nick Chubb, a player that everybody knows I had a huge affinity for coming out of college, has not disappointed as a rookie, 5.2 yards per carry on 298 rushes last season, five yards per carry, eight touchdowns in each of those seasons. Actually, did see 50 targets last year, caught 36 of those. Of course, the biggest factor in trying to figure out what we can expect from Nick Chubb in 2020. Is Kareem Hunt as a rusher nearly 1500 yards last season? So, as far as trying to make sense of what happens now with a full season of Kareem Hunt, and keeping in mind that Chubb in 2019, in the end, only averaged 11 PPR points per game because we did see this big decline from his first six games where he was an rb1 in four of those games to then finishing in the rest of the season as an rb1 only twice we did see that big drop um let's just put it like this to start matt in 2020 is nick chubb closer to 11 points per game or is he closer to 16 points per game
1: i'm still pretty optimistic about nick chubb and A lot of it has to do with what I think will be uh, enhanced touchdown luck. Um, If we look at what he did in the second half of the season. So yeah, he didn't have as many opportunities because of Kareem Hunt. Um, But he still averaged, I think like almost 100 yards per game or like right around there. Um, So like, he still, he still was getting his yards or enough yards, but he had only two touchdowns in the second half of the season. And it's not as if... um, Kareem Hunt was just coming in and stealing like all of the touchdowns. Hunt had only 3 touchdowns uh in the second half of the season. I think there're just going to be more touchdowns in general to go around for this offense and so I would still expect Chubb to uh to have a healthy enough yardage total but then to have some uh pretty good positive regression on the touchdown front.
2: I think that you made a couple of good points there too, especially in relation to what it felt like with Chubb in terms of the touchdowns down the stretcher, um, you know, in that things felt worse, but there's that touchdown component to it. And and I don't think that Hunt is going to radically change the way that Chubb could score touchdowns. Um, I also think that there was a couple of things just overall in Cleveland last year that weren't working very well uh, that could easily be fixed this season that would benefit Chubb Um, in my initial question about do I think he's closer to the 11 or the 16 I mean it's probably my baseline would be somewhere in the middle Um, but I am going to be resistant from getting too clouded in my perceptions of Chubb for 2020 based upon the back half of last season when Kareem Hunt was available. The interesting thing though is Matt in using those two years of production that we have from Chubb, which are pretty solid granted um, you might have this being somewhat depressed by his rookie season, not being a full season of being used like a lead back. Um, His largest portion of his distribution puts him somewhere between like nine to 16 points so it kind of falls into that range that you might have been talking about for him anyway however he does end up with overall a pretty high distribution in historical distribution score in 2020 because he does have a number of players that did go over that 25 point mark uh, and over that 20 point mark and just a handful of guys that fell below eight points per game um does that surprise you at all um or do you think that this is well actually let me say it differently would you kind of push back on the the range of outcomes that you get from an exercise like this, or do you think that um, that's kind of like a fair encapsulation of what we should expect from him removing factors that the tool doesn't know about like Kareem Hunt? I think that's,
1: I think it's probably fair. Um, But I would say, I think he has some room to, uh, to outperform expectations because I think we should expect um, even if you look at what he did as a rookie and starting just kind of like what he did whenever he was actually getting used in his 26 games as a, a lead back or a regularly used back, he's averaging over a hundred yards per game. Uh, I think one of the big issues is that he's not being used all that much as a receiver. And so his PPR upside is going to be capped, but he hasn't really been a prolific touchdown scorer. And so if he's on an offense that improves, and I think we should expect improvement from the offense this year, then he could get significant, uh, you know, variance, luck variance, as uh, I I phrase that horribly, but he could improve (laughs) significantly as a touchdown score. And uh, I think specifically in the Kevin Stefanski offense, um, they're going to, I think, run quite a bit. I think they're going to be better just in general, and I think we could still see him getting even more targets than he's had in the past. So he's averaged three targets per game. I still think Kareem Hunt is going to be used quite a bit, but they might just target running backs more uh, this year than they did last year. So I don't know. I'm I'm still pretty interested in Nick Chubb, and I think he's being priced near his like median range of outcomes. And, uh, and so I do think he, he provides some value because I see the upside with him.
2: Yeah, I think I kind of agree with that. And one of the things for me is because where he's being priced, I don't need to have the expectation that, um, 20 points per game is a common outcome, but it definitely is something that could happen. I also like the fact that, um, 73 yards is what you get per game from those players that he's housed around or or that matched with him. And that kind of does feel right to me for 2020. And I mean, I think that does speak to a pretty good floor to have. So you are getting some upside. And I don't think that this is a guy that's going to come out and fall flat on his face in uh, 2020. Um, It took us a little bit longer to go through those guys than I was expecting. So maybe we can quickly squeeze in one more here, Matt. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm going to let you pick. Who do you want to talk about here? David Montgomery or Chris Carson? Um,
1: I'm going to say neither. Let's talk about Alvin Kamara.
2: Oh, uh, I knew you were going to do that to me. All right. Give me your quick. Um... Why
1: would I want to talk
2: about? All right, let's talk about David Montgomery. Well, no. Can, can I explain? He's, he's no, no, interesting no. no. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Let's stop here. I'm going to tell you why. It's not that you want to talk about either of those guys. It's just that there's a lot of fantasy football coverage in this day and age. And I would imagine that a lot of our listeners are getting exposed to a lot of talk about Alvin Kamara, maybe not as much about Chris Carson or David Montgomery.
1: You're, you're right. Let's talk about David Montgomery.
2: All right, let's do it.
1: <laughs> well, I don't have anything to say about it. <laughs> I know. What, I, what, I'll, what I'll say is... Um, I know that I'm probably too low on David Montgomery. Uh, He had a, I thought it was a really weird rookie season where uh, if you look at, you know, the overall, the overall numbers, he had over a thousand yards. He had seven touchdowns, you know, a decent number of targets. I would expect him to get more targets this year and like his efficiency to improve overall. But like, it wasn't a good year. Like the the overall numbers like look respectable for a rookie, but it was not a good year at all. Three point seven yards per attempt, five point three yards per target, like those are not good numbers. And um it's kind of surprising. I expected him to be better than he was. Um, but you know, efficiency is something that you know isn't super sticky year to year. And he should improve in his second year with the team, maybe with Nick Foles as the quarterback. Uh, the Bears will have a better offense this year than they did last year, so he might, you know, have the opportunity to score more touchdowns. I have him right now for PPR ranked number twenty-two, and I think that's probably like around consensus. Um, yeah, looking at the the app now at uh, at Rotavis, look at FFPC ADP Yeah, right now he's going as the number 26 running back off the board. So I guess I'm a little bit higher on him, but like right around the consensus. Um, But I like I could see how if things just kind of break right for him, he ends up having like a 12 to 1300 yard, eight to 10 touchdown season, Um, you know, because I just don't see there being much competition. There's Tarek Cohen, but I mean, he's, I think, sort of more of just a, a change of pace receiving back in terms of like actual carries. I don't see there being much competition for him.
2: That's perfectly fair. In my opinion, Montgomery feels like one of these players that um, we can kind of suck ourselves into drafting at spots in drafts that don't necessarily make sense, where you might be in a spot where you just want to get a running back on your team, and you say to yourself, okay, this is one of those guys that I know I can get some level of production out of. I know that there's not going to be a lot of competition for him. I'll just go ahead and draft him. But he probably doesn't have a high distribution of outcomes that are really that impactful. Yes. And there's a number of distributions or a number of points on that distribution where you know he just really sucks. Uh, having said that, in the range of outcomes app... His two largest bars put him between 10 to 15 points per game, which seems somewhat reasonable. But I guess my point here is he's one of those guys that you draft feeling like you're just going to get some production, but that production might be entirely meaningless to your team.
1: Here's another way of kind of thinking about this. We talked about Nick Chubb earlier. I could see them having pretty similar like medians, um, but Chubb would have a much higher upside. And uh, Montgomery would have just like basically no upside or like the tail would skew radically towards the downside where there would just be a whole bunch of running backs who looked like him last year and who in their N plus one season, you know, whether that was their second or third year in the NFL, whatever it is, just did nothing
2: completely. I mean, I really think that you could make a case that for Montgomery, there might be like 25% of his distribution that's that at maybe like six points per game and under
1: yeah that's and that's horrible yes like that's very painful right
2: so needless to say that is not the type of thing that you want to be drafting if you feel like you might be going too early on montgomery you are going too early um, but that will wrap us up for this episode. We will be back later in the week. You can reach us at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveKavenFF and at Matt FD Oracle. Thanks to Bet Online for sponsoring the show. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And as always, remember, it's not a fantasy if you believe it.